out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Owner Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films you will never discuss in the course of a film studies course. We are rolling right on through the month of Shocktober. Our Lightning movie. Crash, Wolf Howl. Um, oh. That was really good. Cat Screech. Um, other, ah. That was also very good. Uh, other scary sound effects. Ooh, rattling chains. Donald Trump is running for president. Ah. There you go, dear listener, and we are going to talk about the American Werewolf in London. We're very excited to be doing that uh, here, gathered around the table with my illustrious co-hosts, who must now announce who they are. To my left, sir, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and uh, Dustin, I, before uh, we, we got here today, uh, something really bad happened to me. Yeah. Naked American man stole my balloons. <laughs> <laughs> it does happen. Thank you very much for that. I don't know why I made that tiny British child very, very Southern. Yeah, it was something I you did. I do declare that a naked American ow, ow, stole my balloons. I, I, I tell you what, a, a boy in blue, one of them. I say, A Union cavalry rider just came on through and took all my balloons. All right. Well, this is getting weird already. I'm so glad. Um, the actual werewolf at the table. Why don't you go ahead and announce who you are, sir? Even a man who is pure at heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the August moon is bright. I am the wolf man, Arthur Gordon. That's true. Wolfman Jack. Very, very good. My name is Dustin Sells, and um, Dalton, I'm very sorry I called you Meatloaf. And it's, right. uh, it's okay. It happened. You do look like. I mean, I've gotten that before. And you drive like a bat out of hell. I, mean. I do drive like a bat out of hell. I was uh, Eddie from uh, um, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show one time for oh, Halloween. From, from the Munsters is what I was thinking. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no meet love, you dog. still look like Eddie. Fuck you. I have a little speak. What are you talking about? Uh, so we are <laughs> we are talking American Werewolf in London. We got to warn you, dear listener, this is not a review show. It is an analysis show, and so there will be spoilerific spoilerages. We will talk about when Blue Moon plays and how it plays and what it does and its effect at the very end of the film. So uh, you have been warned about that. That, but we'll give you a brief reprieve from all things spoilerific with our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, and then we'll move into our gameplay, which may involve some mild spoilers of the film in question and perhaps other films that just tickle our fancies. Um, and so you have been warned about that. But once we get down to business, it is all spoilers on the table at that point. You have been warned. So without any further ado, let's hear from the voice of the cinema, Mr. Arthur Gordon, and let's hear the synopsis of the film American Werewolf in London. Two American college students on a walking tour of Britain are attacked by a werewolf that none of the locals will admit exists. That's like the first 20 minutes of the movie. And that's it. Well, they're just letting you know. The rest of the movie is just an American werewolf in London. I mean, it speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's on the tin, right? (laughs) Yeah, it it does what it says on the tin. Okay. Uh, You will notice that it is just the the three of us today. Um, It is. It's very nice. Uh, Just like (laughs) old times. It's so nice. It's just like old times. I was just saying, it's it's, it's like old times. Uh, Alex is at the Austin Film Festival uh, meeting Paul Feig and... um, Everybody else. Oh, God, who else? Joe Nichols. Jeff Jeff Nichols. Nichols. Yeah, that was the one that I about crapped my pants. Um, Caleb is at the IGN 20th Celebration in uh, San Francisco. 
Um, and we're here. And we're here. In Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. It's my birthday, and I'm spending it talking about films, which uh, I, I was going to act like I don't like doing. But what the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we've been doing this for two years, for four years, four years, four years, four years. And uh, yeah, who am I? I wouldn't be still doing this if I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, birthdays uh, notwithstanding. Um, Sam Hain forever. Um, we are approaching the end of the season of The Witch, so I, I was really vocal that we talk about American Werewolf in London. Yeah, you were. Well, I've been wanting to talk about it for a couple of years um, because I like it a lot. Um, yeah, did you, you see what I just did there? I'm on a segue um, into my review. I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, I, this is probably the fourth or fifth time that I've seen it. I, I grew up with a father that loved this film, so it, it was just it, it was ingrained in me to appreciate this film from a very early age. Uh, I will admit that th- there are some wonky pacing issues, but I, I think it works really well. Uh, I mean, they even name-check Lon Chaney. Uh, I mean, it follows Arthur and I were talking off air that it does follow a lot of the same plot beats as The Wolfman. Um, but I, I, I'm a big fan of this movie. I think it's really funny. I, I think it doesn't hurt that you have John Landis on here, um, which brings a lot of humor to it. I, I, th- I think it is best described as a horror comedy. It just plays its humor very kind of deadpan. Uh, but I think it's a very funny movie. I think the practical effects are astonishing to this day. I think they look great. Uh, I think the performances are all really solid. Uh, I simultaneously like... And I'm annoyed by the third act. I think the the, thir- the chaos of the finale of this movie is amazing, um, but it also just kind of ends. And um, while that's it's somewhat effective, that cut to black, I, I still every time I watch this movie, I'm like, oh, I always wonder how it could have ended differently because I could have done with more. Um, so, but that said, I, I really like this movie a lot. I'm glad we are finally getting to talk about it on this program. Very good, very good. Thank you very much for that. Mr. Dalton Stewart, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say in terms of your quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down review? I like the movie. I, I do. I, th- I think uh, Dalton hit on all the points. I, I think it's clever. I think there's some fun uh, dialogue early in the film. Uh, I think uh, the, the the makeup, the special effects are fantastic. Uh, Rick Baker took home the first makeup uh, Oscar for this movie. It was the first movie to get a makeup award. And so I think that's really, I mean, speaks to that. I mean, I mean that transformation scene is yeah. fucking crazy. The, the transformation, the ghouls that we see, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. all that's just great work. I would agree that uh, uh, Roger Ebert said, he called it, uh, that it felt unfinished in a lot of ways. And yeah. I think that speaks I w- to those plotting problems. I would agree with that. And it's kind of the way it cuts between its acts and the way the, the narrative flows. Uh, the ending echoes the Wolfman as well, though. I mean, the Wolfman mm-hmm. just ends. Uh, fade to black, cut to black. Almost exactly like uh, American Werewolf in London. So I think, you know, I mean, you either try to cure him, I guess, or, you know, I don't, I, you, you know, I don't know. It's it, one it, of those movies that's hard to end. <laughs> it's better than the ending of American Werewolf in Paris, I can assure you. Yeah, uh, but overall, I, I do like it. I think it's a good time. This is the second time I'd seen it. The first time I wasn't in love with it. This time I, I got a little more out of it, and so you know, for that, I'll give it uh, a thumbs up. I do like it, Dustin. Wait, you you were in love with it this time or the, the first, first time? Oh, the first time. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. This is my first watching of the film, and I found it to be a big, steaming, wonky mess. I think Rick Baker's special effects are fantastic and worth your time. I think the performances are okay, um, and maybe at times a little better than okay. Some of the humor is funny. Most of it's not. Uh, Some of the scares are scary, but most of them are not. Um, The transformation is glorious. The musical choices are excellent, uh, and that's about all I have to say. Otherwise, it's pretty lousy. Fuck you. And here's the thing that makes me angry. Like everything he's saying, I don't I don't inherently disagree with anything you're saying. I I disagree with the jokes. I think all the jokes are great. I think some of the scares are not scary, no. but I don't nothing frightens me anymore. I am broken inside uh because of all the damn horror movies I watch, but I 
I, you're wrong. Okay. But I, I don't I don't know how to disagree with you because I technically agree with most of the points you've made. Because everything I said was okay. correct. I so know. I, I think it begs, so what is it exactly? that you, Is it an anal- analytical thing that we're going to get into that you don't like about it? Or is there, you just don't like it? No, analytically, I find it to be pretty interesting. I okay. think there's a lot going on and That's there. part that's of why I like it so much. Yeah. yeah. But actually, as a film by itself, it's, it is, uh, it's got tonal problems, and it's it's got, again, sort of weird performance stuff. There's stuff that makes no sense at all. I don't know why Alex is into David at all. There's, yeah, there's really no reason sense. for it. And, uh, again, the motivations are just lacking. Well, in the 80s, if you were a guy, you could just put yourself onto a girl, and she's going to like you. That's what the movies have taught me from the 80s. That is, that you you would, you know, th- that's what the 80s teach us. Yes, and they were wrong. They and, were very wrong. <laughs> and I don't like wrong. No, wrong's bad. Um, uh, Vote Trump. <laughs> Get, shut it down. Shut it down. This is the last episode. We're all walking away now. Oh, um, my goodness. I, I guess, I, again, Dustin, I do get what you're saying. I will agree. I, I think the plotting is kind of messy. Uh, I think structurally it doesn't really flow from one plot point to the next very well. But at the same time, I think it is so ripe and for analysis um, that I forgive those things. Mm. Uh, and I also I like... Just I like David. Uh, I like his performance a lot. I love the the ghouls thing. I think is a great, and it's something that I've seen in other horror films since this. Uh, and I don't know if it was the first one, but the idea of the 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 cursed being haunted by their victims and the victims of their forebearer is a really great idea. I think it's really smart, and I think it. Um, honestly, they do more with it. I can't, I can't believe I'm going to mention this in American Werewolf in Paris. Uh, and honestly, I could have done more with. Zombie Jack, and I think I could have done with more time uh, between full moons. I think that day between the the two werewolfings could have been longer. I think we spend a little bit too much time in the hospital and not enough uh, out of the hospital. Way too much time in the hospital. Yeah. Say that again. Yeah, like way too much time in the hospital. And I will agree with that. I will concede that point. Um, but again, I, I think that alone, the 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 the, uh, the ghouls, as Arthur called them, I think they're so interesting. Um, that they that alone elevates the movie uh, quite highly for me. Okay, well I'm glad you think that. God, damn no, it, I'm not, I'm not getting through to you. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not convinced. Damn but it, that's okay. You don't have to like a movie to have a conversation. No, that's I think fair. That's why we're here, right? And so there's going to be more of that following very very quickly, guys. But right now it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. This week's game is Where in the World is the American Werewolf? That's right. Where in the World is the American Werewolf? Brought to you by an American Werewolf in London. And Carmen Sandiego. An American Werewolf in London and Carmen Sandiego. I bet you didn't think these things had anything in common. They do now. <laughs> I used to play uh, on the Apple IIe green screen computer, yep, yep. the, the uh, uh, Carmen Sandiego game, all the mm-hmm. time. Loved it. Yep. Uh, okay, so again, the game is this. Uh, where would we like to see a werewolf film, an American-specific werewolf film set, and uh, what would entail thereafter? Uh, we go around the table to my right. Uh, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say first? All right, picture this. So, after the tragedy that befell Talbot Castle, Sir John Talbot goes to Morocco and becomes a corrupt inspector working in turn with the Nazis. And while he's there, the curse of Talbot Castle goes with him, and we get an American werewolf in Casablanca. 
All right, all right. I, I could get behind that. That'd be yeah. fun. Rick, you must help me, Rick. <laughs> yes. The moon, it is full. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Second, a group of hard-partying astronauts go out for one last hurrah when one of them is bitten by a wild wolf in the Florida swamplands. They head out on a journey to the moon the next day, and as soon as they hit the atmosphere, we've got an American werewolf in space. I call foul, sir. I Where in the world? This is not in the world, but I like that choice a lot. It's very fun. Those are my picks. All right, very, very good. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what are your selections? I'm really into an American werewolf in space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into Played it. Played by Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Of course. Uh, uh, yeah, you can tell I'm the best pilot the NASA ever had because uh, my down-home folksy accent. Um, yeah, anyway. All right. Interstellar would have been a lot better if he turned into a werewolf somewhere. Uh, I think every movie would be a lot better if somebody turned into a werewolf <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Citizen Kane. Um, I actually had a similar idea, Arthur. Um, however, it is not uh, an American werewolf in Casablanca. It is an American werewolf on the Lusitania. Um, that's <laughs> right. No. That's right. The Germans didn't torpedo the Lusitania. A werewolf sunk the damn thing. <laughs> Um, and then uh, and then swam to a German U-boat and wreaked. It's like Das Boot and Titanic meets a werewolf movie. Are you into it? Yeah, I know. I am too. Um, I also would uh, strong vote, and this is something I don't think I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, an American werewolf uh, in the uh, American West. Um, I really want Western werewolves, and I can't think of a single movie that's done that. Uh, I would be into it, though. It'd be full of Native American stuff, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. They'd be, they, yeah, they'd have to play that, I yeah, would Yeah, they did yeah. it in Twilight. That's not good. The Wendigo kind of thing. Uh, skinwalkers. Skinwalkers. Yeah, yeah. There's a thing. Yeah, I, I dig it. I, I, don't want it, I don't want it to be Native racist. Americans. Yeah, it's, that's, that's always going to be inherently racist, unless it's a Native filmmaker, I think. Um, that's you got to be careful with that kind of shit. Uh, I don't trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, last, but certainly not least... Um, I want an American werewolf in Paris. Uh, I just want it to be different than the movie we got. <laughs> Maybe they could do an American werewolf in, in Belgium or uh, an American werewolf in Prague. I, I don't I don't know. An American werewolf in Bruges. Oh, <laughs> there we go. An American werewolf in Amsterdam. Um, I, 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 the, it's such an obvious thing, right? Like, we, we did a werewolf in London. Uh, Paris seems like the next obvious place, right? Um, so I get why there was this sequel, and it was in development for, like, the better part of a decade. Um and it's not great. Um, you do get to see uh, the incomparable Julie Delpy um, in a role that she has admitted she literally just took to pay her rent, which I think is kind of fun. Uh, but other than that, I, it's not. I can't recommend it uh, unless you just really are in the mood for something schlocky. But it's not like it's even easy to find. You have to physically own this movie to watch it. And it's not. I couldn't find it even for rental anywhere. Hmm. So I can't strongly recommend you seek this movie out. However. I mean, what, what's it's the most obvious follow-up to an American werewolf in London, right? Uh, yeah, I would think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Those are my picks. Dustin, where in the world do you want to see an American werewolf? Well, m- It's much, just fun to say. Much like your idea, um, I want to have an American werewolf in Midnight in Paris, um, specifically the Woody Allen film, <laughs> um, <laughs> going back in time in the 1920s. Salvador Dali really was a werewolf, and that's what inspired all this I was, sort of... I was picturing Owen Wilson as Woody Allen. As a werewolf. Yes. Jeez, you guys. It's a terrible Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go for Owen Wilson. 
Oh, that was pretty good, Owen Wilson. Then yeah, it'll work. Um, so I would I would select this, and I have not seen the film Dog Soldiers, so I don't know to what extent this is a copy of sort of selection. But I would like to see American Werewolf in Baghdad, in which a uh, group of American soldiers um, they go someplace they shouldn't have gone, and they all get infected with werewolves, and then they become uh, literally the Howling Commandos, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fighting. Uh, you know, they're in Baghdad, and perhaps having some interesting commentary on the war itself uh, in the Bush years. I like that. I'm just picturing the scene in the theater from Annie Hall, but instead of uh, grabbing that film critic, he grabs Lon Chaney Jr. (laughs) (laughs) I happen to have Lon Chaney Jr. right here. (laughs) That was pretty good. That was pretty good. All righty. Well, there you go. We're going to move. You know that was pretty good. Right along, dear listener. I think we're going to take a moment right now, though, and hear a word from our sponsors. Ready your wands, pre-measure your potions, and get ready for November's enchanting theme, Magical. We've cast a powerful spell to deliver you this 100% exclusive crate featuring bewitching items from Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and Big Trouble in Little China, and more. You have until November 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive this month's crate. And the cutoff happens, that's it. The magic's over. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash goodtrash and enter code goodtrash to save $3 off any new subscription today. Thank you, sponsors, for your sponsorship. That is excellent. Um, you can also connect with us and give to us via Patreon, via the magical means we all know as social media. Where are those means located, Mr. Arthur Gordon? Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash goodtrashmedia, on Instagram <laughs> at goodtrashmedia, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash GTM, and as always, go straight to the source for all your movie needs at goodtrashmedia.com. That's Casey Kasem, now on with the countdown. Thank you very much for that, Dalton Stewart, is there another medium left? Yeah, you turned into hot 112.9 a.m. Good trash. <laughs> I was just having fun. I, th- I liked what Arthur was doing. Um, you can find... Whoa, we got him <laughs> on the lines. The lines are lighting up, doll. <laughs> it's Iron the Douche. <laughs> All right. Uh, a crazy Iron the Douche. Uh <laughs> You this can, is why they don't let us run the show by ourselves. No, no, no. You're not every time, you every time Arthur and I talk to each other for even five seconds on the uh, the People's History intros, this is what it turns into. Uh, you can find the Good Trash Media Network on Twitter at good underscore trash. Uh, that is your one stop shop source to contact the Good Trash Media Network on Twitter. So whether you want to talk about Good Trash Genrecast or any of our other shows, that is a place to go. Uh, if you have feedback, if you have suggestions, if you want to uh, praise us or tear us down, you can do all of that on Twitter at good underscore trash. And finally, we would encourage you, please, to rate and review the show on iTunes. We don't want your money. If you want to give it to us on Patreon, uh, that's awesome. Please do. We, we, it's fine if you don't. What we would really like you to do, though, is to go to iTunes, uh, write a review, rate us. You cannot uh, underestimate how much that helps us. Um, so please do that. Please. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Now, enough of these silly shenanigans. It is time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's business time. Oh, oh. That 
business in question is, as always, analysis. We're going to have a bit of a roundtable discussion about this film. One of the things that I think is interesting is the idea of the tragic hero, which is um, a plenty uh, and always found in werewolf films. What words would you gentlemen have to say about that? It creates a really kind of structurally interesting uh, horror movie uh, in that the victims are always you know, in a typical horror movie, the people being murdered are, are your group of protagonists that you've been following throughout the film. Uh, in American Werewolf in London and The Wolfman and really most of the werewolf movies I thought of off the top of my head, it is uh, you, you are following um, people you've never seen before as they're being stalked by the hero of the film, which I find really interesting uh, from a narrative standpoint. I, I think that's kind of what sets werewolves apart from any other movie monster. I mean, I, yes, I can think of movies about uh, the protagonist trying to kill or capture or hide from a werewolf. Uh, and with the exception of dog soldiers, I can't really think of any of that. I mean, Silver Bullet is okay. Um, it's not really a movie I would heartily recommend, though. But I, I think it's part of why werewolves are so interesting to us. It's not like vampires where um, you're either hiding from them, uh, trying to kill them, or trying to bang them. Uh or all three. Or all three. Sometimes at the same time. Uh, but it is unusual, I mean, even in those films, even in, in your romantic vampire films, uh, the protagonist is usually a person. Uh, it's very rare that the monster is... A, a, it's the most specific genre trope. And again, I think we get things like it with Jekyll and Hyde. I think that's very much a, a werewolf story of sorts. Um, but I, I think it's what makes this such an interesting horror trope is, is that it is so far outside of typical horror conventions. It does become much more uh, kind of uh, the, the tragic Greek hero uh, yeah. more than it does uh, what goes bump in the night scares. Yeah, I, I, I love the device. I think it's fascinating. So I just watched The Wolfman as well, uh, kind of in preparation for this. Uh, and that's a movie that I've always loved. And I love tragic heroes. You know, I think of Mr. Freeze a lot. He's not a hero. But those tragic characters, I think there's something uh, when, you know, they, they are given this uh, kind of antagonism mm -hmm. uh, through no fault of their own. It's not something they're looking for. And especially if you take a protagonist. And, and what American Werewolf does and what The Wolfman d uh, does as well is we've got over two-thirds of the movie to uh, kind of get to know our protagonist. You know, it's David or uh, uh, Larry Talbot. Uh, and uh, through that, we get to really sympathize with these characters. And, you know, what American Werewolf does, it, it does play a lot more with that guilt thing. You know, he's it's kind of a representation of his guilt. You know, he's kind of got this survivor's guilt, you know, because he, 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 he drops quick and takes off when that wolf attacks. And so a lot of that, you know, I think survivor's guilt type thing is very interesting there. Um, but I think it, it's a fascinating device that we don't get to see a lot. And th there's been this kind of resurgence in the, uh, not even the Byronic hero, but just like following villains and making them uh, more relatable, like uh, Maleficent or, you know, movies like that, or the Halloweens where we kind of get a more uh, sympathetic look at Michael Myers, the the remakes. And I, I, I don't think that works as well as taking a character and then forcing that character against his will to become the bad guy. Uh, and, and I I just, I like that a lot. I think it, uh, you know, these movies deal a lot with the duality of man. And, you know, that I think speaks to the effect that uh, there's that darkness in each of us that, you know, sometimes we can't control or that lays dormant. And, you know, we could all be the bad guy in the story at some point or another. Yeah, I think it's the most explicit sort of version of this sort of following uh, the villain. And, or, and again, the villain antagonist is 
absolutely the protagonist yeah. as well. And so we do feel a great deal of sympathy because they are the victims of an illness, uh, basically, in these kinds of films. As opposed to, uh, say, for instance, the Frankenstein films, in which uh, there's every sympathy is given, uh, especially to Boris Karloff's yeah. uh, Frankenstein monster, that you feel very, very badly for him, for the situation that he's in, but he is still other in, in sort of an entire sense. Yeah. And uh, what these wolf uh, characters tend to do is to draw that otherness much closer to the self um, in, in the watching. And I find that to be really interesting and, and pretty exciting and, and just, you know, worth our time. Well, let's just talk about, again, I think there's an association with sexuality in vampire films, uh, much more so, but it seems to be uh, play a little heavier here in this film. What would you guys have to say about that? Well, that's something we talked a little bit when we talked about uh, the Jack Nicholson movie Wolf, right? Uh, it, it does seem to be uh, something kind of inherent to the, the werewolf mythos is the, the idea of uh, baser animal instincts. And I, I think this is done much more interestingly and in a different gender ways with the, the film Ginger Snaps, um, you know, where it's used as an allegory for menstruation, um, which is super on the nose. And the fact that uh, the first movie I can think of that did it was from the early 2000s is kind of stunning to me. Um, but, but there it does seem to be something to, uh, about the werewolf because it's almost always a, a young maiden uh, being uh, stalked so, yeah. by the, um, the the hairy beast. Um, so there definitely seems to be something um, to be said there. I think any film that wants to go down that road has to be very, very careful in the message it's portraying, right? If, if that is what you're going to talk about, um, base or animal instincts, you have to be careful to not endorse saying that, well, this is just the way men are, because, fuck, we've seen uh, what that kind of talk gets us lately. Um, but I think there is something very interesting. I think there's something interesting here. Um, because with David, the, the, the sexuality does seem to be heightened by his werewolfism. Um, but his, his werewolf stalks are not, I mean, it is uh, a violent act inherently. It seems to be that violence that gets his, uh, his juices going the next day. Um, so it, the, the, there definitely is something interesting going on in this film with the, the tie between sex, sexuality and violence uh, that I think is interesting. And they don't really, I don't, don't think John Landis seems very interested in going down that road, but I, I think b- the sexuality, again, does seem more tied to David's humanity in, in this in this betrayal of, of werewolves, I think. Well, I think there's also this idea of repression and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that sexual repression. You know, these characters are, are going in search of, you know, love and trying to you meet up with this girl. I mean, they seem to be doing what most uh, young people backpacking in Europe are doing, which yeah. is trying to get laid. And so I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's really taking repression to its furthest extreme that, you know, there's so much repression. We can't, our, our, the libido builds so much that you just become this, you know, monster. And, and it speaks to Dalton's point that, you know, we can't frame it in the way that, oh, all men just become monsters if they don't, you know, get sex or whatever. Uh, but there is, I think, some frustration when you're repressed. And, and I think that speaks to uh, that idea that when you're not able to get certain needs met or you're not able to meet certain urges. I think it speaks more to a, a repression of feeling than a repression of the act, right? Yes, it, yes. It speaks more to not having a healthy internal dialogue about your sexual feelings than it does actually your ability yeah. to act out your desire to get down. Correct. So, yeah, absolutely, and of course, you know, as Dalton was talking about the whole menstruation connection, uh, that's not happening until the twentieth, twenty-first century. Um, that always the werewolves have been uh, sort of a a portrait of uh, adolescence. You start growing hair in funny places, and you're after girls. I swear to Christ, right. if we're going to start talking about Teen Wolf, I'm going to walk <laughs> out of this. No, no, we are absolutely not going to. All right, but because uh, no, that that movie, no, absolutely not. It's a masterpiece, and you both are. 
rat monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Very strong language from Mr. Arthur Gordon. Um, but hey, no. Hey, 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 kids. hey, hey. Werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> That's right. We are werewolves, not, not swearwolves. Uh, and so, yeah, this is totally working at some level in the film as well, although Landis is sort of distancing himself from that. Uh, the thing that I think he is doing uh, is strangely different uh, with the Eastern European roots of the genre itself, uh, the folk tales and what have you, uh, of the werewolf, is that he is definitely playing up David's Jewishness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex says, you know, I think he's a Jew because I checked. Well, it wasn't uh, Alex. It was the other nurse. Oh, whichever. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize which yeah, well, nurse it was. It was it was not the yeah, it was the other nurse who gets chastised by the doctor for taking a peek. But they're both you know sort of uh, drawn to his strange exoticness, right? There's something really funny, by the way. Uh, David, uh, the actor, had to go. Hey, John, um, I'm not actually circumcised, so uh, that's why there's no uh, frontal male nudity uh, in oh. this movie. John Landis actually wanted to have frontal male nudity, but since uh, the actor playing David was not circumcised, I'm not they had to put the kibosh on it. That's, Isn't that's, that interesting? That is too bad. Um, that's funny. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, but I, for one, could always use more werewolf dick. Uh, 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 we get a little bit of that in Wolf Cop. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, uh, actually, we yeah, get a we lot do. of it. We get a lot of it in Wolf Cop. Uh, I would say this, though, that his uh, fantasies and his horror are at, again, SS officers. Yeah, the Nazi werewolves. Nazi werewolves coming after him. And uh, there is there is a bit of writing that you can find here and there uh, about this idea that uh, this is a Jewish kid and he is sexually interesting and powerful and also hunted. And so it creates sort of a, a weird sort of place where people can identify um, as a monster superhero sort of character uh, within their Jewishness. So Landis himself is Jewish, and so he's constructing, again, this sort of uh, heroic tale of a desirable, and and that's why I think it feels like his lycanthropy is much more vampiric. Um, it makes him attractive and virile and interesting. That's and, interesting. Yeah, and, okay. and so I, I feel like that's part of what's going on. And then the horrors that he experienced are more of the collective horrors of a of an entire you know uh, race of people who have experienced you know genocide and those kind of things. Well, and it, it bears mentioning talking about that. Jack is not somebody he killed, but right. he is haunted by Jack because he is part of the lineage of this other werewolf. Uh, and I think that's very interesting, uh, again, speaking to David's Jewishness uh, and the Jewishness of the film, is, is the idea of this um, chronological, this ancestral guilt, um, this idea of responsibility for past actions. Uh, I, I find that very interesting, uh, the, the sins of the father and all that. Uh, I think that's a, a really interesting aspect of the film is that he is going to be haunted <clears throat> not only by Jack, uh, not only by his own kills, rather, but also by the kills of the werewolf that made him, uh, which leads me to wonder if the uh, ghouls are not just hallucinations because uh, surely that werewolf has killed other people, not just Jack. Why You'd is think he not where being there was a werewolf before that werewolf too? Right? Yeah. Why is he not being bothered by these other ghouls? Uh, Could have done with more ghouls, is my point, I guess. But uh, <laughs> to tie it back again to the Holocaust, there is this idea of uh, both Jack and David having uh, been in the same place of horror. David having survived mm-hmm. and Jack having not. Yeah. And this sort of responsibility he feels towards Jack's memory. You know, and that impinges upon the life that he tries to live uh, after the moment of trauma, which sounds much like you know, we talked about survivor's guilt a little while ago, yeah. and I, I think it connects some of those dots as well. Well, I, I think this ties into the lineage of the, the genre itself because, the, as I was saying, I watched The Wolfman, uh, and the director of that said he, he kind of felt there were some representations of the war and of Nazism, and, and you know, the, the sympathetic protagonist who is marked by the star. Uh, uh, and so the, I, I think it just kind of upholds that tradition and, and 
Yeah, I, I like both of your readings on that on quite a bit, guys. Uh, I really would have liked uh, Jack to have a pentagram on his hand just because that would have been, or uh, David to have a pentagram on his hand because it would have been super metal. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. He would have got. He would have got. call it a pentangle. Well, it's because yeah, there's no star around it. There's yeah. no star around it. Uh, so it's not the gram. Wait, yeah. There's no circle around it? I said star around it. Yeah, there's no circle around the star. Uh, okay. So it's just a five sided star. He would have gotten uh, along a lot better with those punks in the subway if he'd had a pentagram on his hand. I'm just yeah. saying. That's a funny moment. That is a really funny moment. It I enjoyed silly. it a lot. Uh, I think it's adorable. I adore this movie. Yes. I, I think it's a, I think it's precious. Um, I think the fact that John Landis directed a few segments of a porn film to that that's not a real porn. John Landis the directed first thing they that. shot. Yeah, the very first thing they shot. Uh, and um, see you next Wednesday is uh, apparently something that shows up in basically every movie he's ever made. That's funny. Yeah, th- which I find hysterical. Well, I want to beg the question: Why is the UK filled, infested, if you will, lousy with all of these werewolves? All of these goddamned werewolves. Uh, I think Dustin's point already. Uh, Dustin has accidentally spoken to it already. Ties. The European folk tales. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um, you don't have to look that far back in human history to a time when we believed werewolves were a real thing. Um, and uh, a lot of anthropologists will argue the point that... You mean uh, the wolf boys down in Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Los Lobos. Uh, <laughs> you will find a lot of an- anthropologists who will uh, argue that uh, many of our tales of vampirism and uh, lycanthropy uh, come from serial killers. Uh, because as long as there have been people, there have been serial killers. We just didn't have a name to put on them. So when you find a mutilated body in 1230 AD, um, and it doesn't occur to you that a human being could do such a thing, um, hence werewolves. You find somebody gutted and uh, strung up, uh, you're going to start thinking that uh, there's a beast about these parts. Um, and I, I find that very interesting. And again, the Spanish Inquisition was full of not only uh, the burning of witches, but also the burning of suspected werewolves. I want to see a Danish werewolf in Harlem. Uh, there is a vampire in Brooklyn. I know there is. And there it's is. a great movie. <laughs> West is Raiden. there? Very good. No, it's not, but I, 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 I have fond memories of it. To, to, to speak of the Eastern European thing, I think much of the uh, sort of English Gothic telling of uh, these sort of uh, supernatural stories mm-hmm. are, are, are really influenced by an influx of Eastern European immigration and a fear of them. And so Dracula is fundamentally a story about somebody bringing his earth with him instead of mm-hmm. you know remaining and being planted in the earth of England and, and you know assimilating yeah, this culture. Yeah, this, this swarthy Romanian coming to right. London to, to, to fuck all the uh, Elizabethan women. And I think the same thing Victorian with werewolves. women? Victorian women. Victorian women, yeah. Um, and the same thing with werewolves, that they're all still trying to uh, wrestle with the fact that these people are coming over here and they've got strange stories, and they may indeed be a little bit dangerous. And mm-hmm. so I think there's a bit of a cultural anxiety there that's, that's vaguely racist and uh, more than vaguely and but what's interesting about that vague racism is that it has become so assimilated uh, into part of English folklore as it stopped being an other's folklore and it became part of their own folk telling which I think is really interesting uh, because there are a lot of werewolf movies and a lot of them take place in the British Isles it's weird I, I, Arthur is right. The the the, the Queen's country uh, is lousy with wolfmen. Um, they've got a real problem. Uh, with the wolves, and I think uh, what they need to do is shut it down till they figure out what this problem is. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> man, we are really talking about Trump today. Um, I'm gonna build a wall. I, I'm gonna build it's gonna a wall, be huge. a huge wall around the wolves, <laughs> just all the way around. How the you wolves. know which ones are the wolves? Uh, they're the hairy ones. <laughs> There's this great Neil Gaiman short story called "The Wolves in the Walls," mm-hmm. and I just want to <laughs> point the dear listener that direction. Uh, what is "Wolves at the Gate" from? 
no idea. Okay, we'll just cut that out. But there's a <laughs> nope. Uh, sorry, no, just tell you and asking stupid questions. Please, please stop. Please don't do that. Please, 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 please. How long have we gone? Do we need to talk more? It's thirty-five minutes. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I was gonna bring up, I mean, and we don't talk about. It. I mean, I just there's a when they get to the pub. There's this very interesting instance where the way Landis shoots it, the way it's written. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, these two uh, travelers, these backpackers, are the other. Yeah. But the way it's all framed and shot is like they're still othering the people in the it, it's, in the pub. It's a weird. And I don't know yeah. if it's a satirical thing or if it like I don't know what that is. But I, th- I thought it was just very interesting in the way that's handled. And that comes down. I mean, that's a very you know uh, uh, a lot of just from cinematic experience, uh, especially like Straw Dogs or something. Uh, these small little villages, insular country, folk. yeah, yeah, aren't real welcome to outsiders. Yeah, and so it's. I just thought it was interesting that the way it's put together, the othered are othering. Yeah, the uh, the, the locals. It's it's really interesting that uh, I think Landis doesn't let anybody be too sympathetic in that scene. Uh, that Jack and David are actively like mocking these weird English uh, country folk while they're in their pub. Um, so it's it's not like oh these uh these just English country folk are being real shitty like they actually do try to be welcoming they the, the guy starts a joke with them and tell, tells a remember the Alamo joke and everybody laughs and then everybody's having a good time if they the lady's like I I can make you tea if you want tea like I can tell you're cold we don't have soup but I will make you tea uh so they they do start to actually do be welcoming they didn't yeah. they don't stop until Jack is like hey what's with the star and everybody's like get the fuck out uh don't ask questions <laughs> about our werewolf. Um, it's our it, werewolf, <laughs> but I, I think I think you're right, Arthur. I think it is very interesting, and again, even from a color aspect, they're wear, both wearing these very bright, bright down yeah. jackets, uh, and everybody else in the bar is wearing these kind of muted earth tones. Uh, and I think the way it is shot is done very well to to establish a dichotomy between the the natives and the outsiders. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's also very interesting that you have this reverse colonization going on where the, uh, the the people from the colonies are coming back to wreak havoc on the motherland. I think there's something very interesting with the uh, the massacre in Piccadilly Circus, which is a fucking bloodbath. I mean, it yeah. is crazy. I had forgotten how... You could say it's anarchy. In the UK? Yeah. Uh, you, could, you could even go as far as to say that uh, in that brief sequence of the film, London is burning. Yeah. Um, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Werewolves of London, am I right? <laughs> and we're back. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it's a violent scene. I had forgotten about the person that just gets full-on ejected from the front seat of their car into a bus. Somebody <laughs> gets their head run over. Yeah. I mean, it is insane. It's, it's insanity. Um, and it it's very quick. And I, I think Landis does a really good job of portraying violence in this film. Uh, he it's, it's shot very quick. It's shot very gruesomely. Um, I, I think he, he does a really good job of portraying the, the brutality of, of this beast. Um and I think, you know, when you're going to make a violent film, that's always a consideration is how are you going to shoot the violence? Um, Arthur and I rewatched uh, Zack Snyder's remake of Dawn of the Dead last night. Um, he goes the exact opposite route and uses a ridiculous amount of slow motion anytime gore yes. is on screen. Or bullets are falling. Yeah. A- anytime Bullet somebody casing. shooting or getting bitten, it goes into slow-mo, where I think as John Landis here starts making a lot of quick cuts to better illustrate the chaos of a, a violent moment. Going back to the pub scene, though, for just a second, we have to look forward, I think, uh, because this film is massively influential on uh, Big Time Wright and uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. I mean, and so I, I think a lot of that look and that sort of dry humor, outsider, insider yeah. sort of dynamic uh, is part of what gets played up there as well. And well, so and it's it's weird to see. I mean, uh, English humor has been very similar for a very long time. You, I mean, 
from Monty Python's Flying Circus all the way up to uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright's uh, Spaced. Uh, I mean, there is a through line. You can yeah. tell there there is yeah. a lineage of humor in the UK. And I think John Landis does a really good job of adapting that humor. Uh, and I think it's very clearly a film from a filmmaker who's a fan of uh it seems to be a seems to be a fan of English storytelling, I think. Um, but yeah, it definitely sets the groundwork for um, a lot of pub scenes to come in, in future cinema, and again, it sets the groundwork for a lot of werewolf transformations. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, almost every werewolf transformation I can think of, off the top of my head, is a dude alone, naked in the living room. Almost every one that I can think of off the top of my head. Or a bathroom, but yeah. Or a bathroom. Yeah. yeah but I mean. <laughs> there are so many films that are tipping their hats to this. And again, even if you're like Dustin, don't really go for this movie, I think, if nothing else, it's super important in, in yeah. terms of the, the lineage of horror films. Yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and make a verdict here. And uh, Shelf or Trash, Else or Instead, this film. Um, Arthur Gordon, what do you say? Shelf or Trash, what do you recommend as an Else or Instead? I'm going to say Shelf. I, I do like it quite a bit. I enjoy it. I think it is, you know, it's influential in a lot of ways. Uh, I and it's something I appreciated more on the rewatch, and I feel like if I watched it more and more, I could get a lot more out of it. And so, for those you know those reasons, I think it does go on the shelf for me personally. Uh, I will say that it would pair well with what we do in the shadows uh, because of werewolves, not swearwolves. Uh, and I would also say watch the original Wolfman and check out Dog Soldiers because those are all in my mind right now. Very good. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say? Shelf or trash, else or instead? I am here, and I am shelving. Um, I, I think it's a great film. I think it's really important. I think it, uh, again, um, puppetry and practical makeup is starting to slowly but surely come back uh, into mainstream storytelling, but it was a lost art for quite some time. And um, honestly, there's not very many good werewolf movies. There really aren't. Um, I, which is something I've realized this October. Um, Wolf with Jack Nicholson, which we've talked about on the show, is okay. Um, it's fun more than it's good. Um, but I, I think, if nothing else, there needs to be more werewolf movies, and I think this is a good place to start uh, thinking about them. Um, I would also recommend a, a film similar in that the villain is the protagonist. Uh, another movie we've talked about on the show, and that is the re- remake of Maniac, starring Elijah Wood, yeah. uh, in that it makes you sympathize and empathize with uh, a, a murderer. Uh, and I think that's a really interesting film to pair with this. I, I would also recommend uh, Wolf with Jack Nicholson. And I am, again, going to say, you know what? If you really dig American Werewolf in London, check out American Werewolf in Paris. It's very silly. Uh, has some very bad CGI werewolves. Um, but it's interesting. And um, a little nostalgia juice for me. I am going to recommend uh, Kate Beckinsale uh, and Michael Friggin Sheen. In Underworld. Uh, it's a very silly movie, but it's full of things that I loved when I was 14, and it's one of those movies I'm afraid to rewatch. But uh, again, there is a dearth of good werewolf movies, and I think that movie is a serviceable action film, if nothing else. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I'm going to say trash YouTube, the transformation scene. That's all you actually have to see of this film, because otherwise it is something of a mess. If you want to see a good story of a werewolf with uh, less good special effects, check out D. Wallace in The Howling from 1981 and uh, it is a good story it's also got the sort of somber note for an ending and uh, that makes that lots of fun uh, also uh, listen to all the Van Morrison moon dance is great and uh, you should definitely just jump all over that and finally I recommend the Marvel comic from the 1970s werewolf by night uh, featuring uh, young Jack Russell 
that's right, who becomes a werewolf. And uh, that's very funny in that there's a pun with his name. And also, it's just, it's a good comic. It's a lot of fun. And I recommend that very, very highly. Thank you very much, my dear co-hosts, for your time together talking American Werewolf in London. So as we come to the end of Shocktober, um, Shocktober ends the month of October, and the last day of October is a particular holiday um, known as Halloween, and I can think of nothing better to do uh, as we draw nearer to Halloween than to watch the film finally, finally, four years in, guys, we're finally going to take a look at Halloween. Um, and so uh, Michael Myers will be in the house, and uh, we're very, very excited to be talking about that. Rob Zombie may or may not come up. I'm pretty sure he will. And uh, we'll I think I might try to squeeze in both versions. It's fun. I, I've heard you say that. I think Arthur disagrees with you. I'd have to watch it again. I can't remember. It's different. but It's, it is different. It's fun. And so we'll be looking at that. But, guys, no matter what we look at, no matter what's going on, uh, when you're watching a movie, what's really important is that you have a conversation because movies are so much more than just 90 minutes and a bucket of popcorn. It's about the conversation. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. I see a bad moon rising. That's great. Yeah, I know. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.